The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. Uh, or I've been presenting a sermon series on worship, biblical worship. What is biblical worship? And the first week we began to look um, as Jesus was there with the woman at the well, and, and we saw that in that passage what God is emphasizing in worship of Him, of giving over to Him what is worthy of Him, that first and foremost, that He is the central focus of our worship. When we express to Him in song, we express to Him in our lives that, that He is worthy of our worship and He's the one to be worshiped. And the way He's called us to worship Him is in spirit and in truth, being led by the Holy Spirit of God. And, and it is a work that He does in us where we have been regenerated, we've been given the Spirit of God, and we're able to worship Him in that in light of the truth as He has revealed Himself to us through the Word of God. Uh, Last week, we looked at corporate worship and that setting that we do here on Sunday morning or in a small group somewhere where you might do that, where there is that exhortation to us to sing hymns and psalms and all manners of expression to Him, and we worship Him, but there's something in that dynamic of corporate worship where not only are we praising His name, but we're reminding each other as we sing these songs of expression who God is and why He's worthy of praise. But this morning, I want us to look at uh, what I have entitled Confession in Worship. I find it interesting that, that David, when he, when he pens Psalm 51, which of course is his repentance after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband Uriah killed, and a consequence of that is that the baby dies, that when he writes Psalm 51, it is addressed to the choir master. Think about that that he is addressing the psalm of repentance so that it would be sung corporately or looked at corporately. And I realize that, that sometimes in corporate worship, it is a time and an opportunity for me when the Holy Spirit nudges in my heart areas that, that I might need to give back over to Him or areas where I've been disobedient to Him or whatever it might be, that it's that time where I can come and, and recognize the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God and confess to Him and realize that, boy, by the blood of Jesus, I'm forgiven. And before I forget, I want to encourage you families, if you're here together, there's a kid interactive listening guide. Brian, you might want to get one of these. I think it might be uh, good for you, uh, some of the kids and, and adults. But as we look at Psalm 51, we need to understand there's a backdrop, the story behind Psalm 51 where David confesses. It's found in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12, and we're not going to read the whole passage. But you know the story, I think, that uh, Nathan, the prophet Nathan, comes to David, and he begins to tell David, David, there, there were two men. One was very wealthy, and he had sheep that were just innumerable. He had just a house, just loads and loads of sheep. And then there was this one little poor man that had only one sheep, and he loved that sheep so much that it became a part of the family. It ate from the table where his family would sit and have its meals, and it played with the kids in the yard, and he loved it, Nathan says, like his own daughter. 
And there was a visitor that came into town to visit the rich man. And the rich man, with all of these sheep that he had, that he could have slaughtered to prepare a meal for the visitor that came, instead of taking one of his sheep, he goes to the poor man, and he takes his one little sheep that he loves so much, and he slays it, and he feeds it to his guest. And David is indignant at this incident that takes place. And he says, that man needs to be punished. I I want these things to happen to him. I cannot believe that this rich man took that poor man's little sheep and fed it to his guest. And Nathan turns to David and he says, David, you're the man. And he was relating the story how that David had taken Bathsheba when he had many wives. He took Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah, and not only did he take her and and have her as his own, but in order to cover up his sin and his crime, he sends Uriah to the front line so that he might be slaughtered. And as a consequence of that, the baby then dies. But I find it interesting in this passage, after David has expressed his his grief and his sorrow, he says in verse 13 of 2 Samuel chapter 12, he says, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has also put away your sin. If we miss what's happening here, we we miss the intent of what God wants us to see in the provision that He's going to make for us here. Because when you think about it, that it seems as though that God says, I've just put away or I've passed over is the literal translation there. I've passed over your sin and I scratch my head and I think, what? No righteous judge would just pass over David's sin. I mean, there's been adultery, there's been a murder, a baby has died. How can God just pass over? And then the reason for that, Paul explains in Romans chapter 3, is that, that God put forth Jesus as a propitiation for our sin to show His righteousness for sins that had been committed beforehand. You think about Uriah's dad. How would you feel if you were Uriah's dad and the king had had your son killed? How would you feel if you were Bathsheba's mother and the king has just taken your daughter and committed this atrocious act and as a consequence the baby dies? How would you feel about all of that? David writes in Psalm 51 his repentance to that sin, that he recognized that he had sinned against God and God only. Turn there with me in your Bible to Psalm 51. David, as he's writing this repentance to God, the first thing that that he calls on when he recognizes that, that he has sinned so grievously against God is that the only thing that he can rely on now is the mercy of God. God, I've sinned against you, and I have sinned grievously, and there's nowhere else I can go. God, I know I'm guilty, but God, have mercy on me. God, don't give me what I deserve. There's sometimes in that time of worship when we recognize the the sinfulness of our heart and to the very deep core of how sinful we are, that we can recognize and say, God, if it were not for your mercy, I'd have no right to stand before you in worship. But God, because of your mercy and because of the blood of Jesus and your grace, I can now enter into your presence through your throne room to receive grace and mercy in my time of need. 
And so he expresses to God, God, have mercy on me in accordance with your steadfast love and according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgression. You see, David knew that he could draw from the bank, if you will, in accordance with God's mercy, because God's mercy is never-ending. Aren't you glad for that this morning, that God's mercies are new every day? And then he goes on to say in verse 2, he says, now, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. David is not just wanting a cover over of his sin. He's not wanting just to get out of trouble for his sin. But what David is asking is that God would cleanse him thoroughly from his iniquity. You see, we recognize and realize that oftentimes our sin is only symptomatic of what's happening inside. And David recognizes, God, while while the the sins that I committed were, were horrible enough, God, there's something deeper in me that needs to be taken care of so that I don't go back to that again. Do you understand what he's saying here? So God, cleanse me from my iniquities. God, cleanse me from my sin. And then he says in verse 3, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. He recognizes, he knows his transgressions, but he, he says this, my sin is ever before me. What David's saying is, I can't get it out of my mind. Do you have one of those? Maybe it was 30 years ago. Maybe it was three years ago. Maybe it was five years ago. Maybe it's this week, but that tape keeps playing over and over and over in your mind. And what we tend to do is minimize, minimize our sin rather than going to the root of it and asking God, God, show me why I act out in this way. And so he prays, God, cleanse me from my sin. Lord, my sin is ever before me. Can I give you some good news this morning? That if you've got one of those things from 30 years ago, and you've confessed it, you've asked God for his forgiveness, he has forgiven you of that. Can I say amen to that? Aren't you glad? It's washed away. You see, our, 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 our confession, it's not that God needs to to be clued in on to, to where we've trained. He already knows. And, and we don't confess our sin in order to get forgiveness. We confess our sin acknowledging that it was the cross of Jesus that made forgiveness possible for your sin and my sin. So thank him for that this morning. He says in verse 4, he recognizes that his sin was against God, against you, and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. <laughs> I, if you're like me, I, I look at that verse and I go, wait a minute, um, what, about, what about Bathsheba? What about Uriah? What about the innocent baby? And he did sin against them, but listen, we offend people, we hurt people, but David's saying we sin against God. And he says, God, against you and you only have I sinned. Here's what it calls us to, is to recognize that that God is a holy God. And that word sin means to, to fall short of what God's, uh, what God's requirements are, to be in His presence, to be uh, with Him in fellowship, but to recognize that, that it is He that we sin against. 
And so David cries out, God, against you and you only have I sinned. And then he says, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Not me. I don't know about you, but I try to justify my sin. Anybody else with me? God, it's the mama you gave me. God, it's the wife you gave me. No, I never do that. God, it was my, it was my upbringing. God, it was, it's just the way that I am. I'm just made that way. And, and God, you'll, you'll just pass over that. No, 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 no. You see, David recognizes, just as we all should recognize, that apart from the mercy and the grace of God, he has every right to judge us and condemn us to eternity separated from him. And when we recognize that, when we acknowledge that, it makes our expression of worship to God truly in spirit and in truth. He recognizes that, that it's not just his acts that were sinful against God, but, but he recognized in verse 5 that I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. And David recognized what, what every one of us have to come to the place of. That we are not sinners because we sin, but we sin because we are sinners. At the very core, our DNA passed on to us, if you will, from from Adam, that, that we are born corrupt and sinful in God's presence. And when we recognize that, again, His grace and His mercy and His love is magnified, uh, magnified tenfold in our hearts. And we cannot help but respond to Him and worship Him and thank Him for His goodness and His grace. He says, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. What David's saying is that that God teaches us wisdom in the secret heart. It's in that place where we have the Holy Spirit residing in us if we've been born again, and in that God leads us into all truth and righteousness. And David's saying, I ignored that. You ever have that time where, where, where you know the Holy Spirit is saying, don't go there. I don't want you there. And, and you, you say, I, I want to go there anyway. And we ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're caught up in a conversation. And uh, there, there's that opportunity to gossip, to run down, to tear down. And the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, you need to get out of this conversation. But you just love that morsel, Right? And you just want to engage in that. It may be something as minimal as that as we might see it or as gross as what David fell into. And we say, you know what? I don't care. I'm just going to go for that anyway. And then he says in verse 7, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Hyssop was, was a desert branch that was used by the priest when he would sprinkle the blood over the altar. And what David is saying in this verse is, God, you've got to cleanse me with hyssop. A priest won't do right now. God, there's nobody else that can absolve me from this, that can forgive me, that can create in me this clean heart that I so desire. And God, you're the only one that can cleanse me from that. Let me encourage you in this. All of our church activities, 
all of the things that we do, nothing bad with them at all. But when we come together for corporate worship, when we go to our small group, when we attend different functions, all of those things are great and they're good and we need to do those. But there's only one place, there's only one way that you and I are cleansed from our sins and that's by the blood of Jesus. No matter of how much you attend, how little you attend, how much you may log on to look at it on Facebook, none of that does it. Only the blood of Jesus. And David's crying out, listen, no man can do this. God, only you can. And he says in verse 8, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. God, hide your face from my sin and blot out my iniquities. David had been completely robbed of his joy because of his sin. I'll tell you this, unchecked sin in my heart is one of the first ways that I am robbed of the joy of my salvation. When I come into an atmosphere, maybe in corporate worship, and everybody is enthralled and worshiping God, and I just find myself in a place that, you know, I just, I, this, I just really don't want to, and I, and I find ways to critique and criticize and, and all manners of other things. What's really taking place in me is that there's something there that is keeping me from entering into the presence and the joy of the Lord, and it's usually unconfessed sin. Can I... Get an amen to that this morning. I've got a crowd in front of me, so I want to hear amens, okay? Uh, This camera has not been able to speak back to me for three months. It will rob us of joy. No matter how insignificant the sin may seem. You see, we we always think of sin in the terms where David's confessing here. You know, I, I don't eat, drink, smoke, or chew, and I don't go out with women who do, that kind of, that kind of thing. So I, at least I, I'm not doing those things. But the slightest can separate us in our fellowship with the Lord. And corporate worship is a great opportunity and a time for you and I to come before the Lord and just get cleansed of all of that and enjoy His presence. Then he says in verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a right spirit within me. David is not just wanting um, kind of a passe, everything is okay, David. But David recognizes that, God, unless you change my heart, unless you do a deep work in me, God, unless you create in me a clean heart, because I can't clean it up myself. You can't clean up your heart yourself. Only the Holy Spirit of God by His work and the blood of Jesus can cleanse our heart. And He's saying, God, create in me a clean heart, God, because I don't want to go back there again. David's recognizing that there is a root to his sin. I find it interesting in this psalm that not a word of sex is mentioned, not a word of murder is mentioned. I mean, after all, isn't that what started? Isn't that why David's confessing? But not a word of that is mentioned. And what God is wanting us to see is at the root of those things, there is a a nature that's driving us towards that. Unless God does a deep work in our heart, unless we receive His cleansing and forgiveness, that we're going to continue to go back to drink out of that cistern that's stagnant. You see, you, you have habitual things in, in our lives. The reason that we, we, we 
we make a, a confession and we swear and we vow that we'll never do that again is because we're simply looking at the symptom and not the root. You see, God wants to do a grand work in our hearts to cleanse us and deliver us and set us free from that. That's why He has paid the price for our sin, not only to forgive us of our sins, but to set us free from those things that we were once in chain and captivity to. Then he says in verse 11, he says, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. David's wanting God to affirm to him that, that God, even though I have done this gross thing, God confirm to me that I am still yours. God, don't let me be like one of those Hebrews chapter 6 Christians that only, really not Christian, but tasted the work of the Holy Spirit, tasted the things of God and then turned away. God confirmed to me that, that I am yours, and I'm kept by you, and I'm held to you. And then he says in verse 12, restore to me again the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I love this, verse 13. He says, then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Honestly, the first thought that kind of comes to my mind when I read that is, David, how can you teach transgression? You're guilty yourself. David, clean up your own house before you start talking to me, right? David, get your, get your act right before you start teaching me God's ways. That paints a picture of the great grace and forgiveness of God. You see, when we recognize, as David did, the depth of God's cleansing and His forgiveness, we cannot help but share with others what God has done for us. You see, the mistake we often make sometimes is expecting that, that once we come to Christ, that, that all of a sudden we should never sin again. Can I clue you in on something? You're going to. Sometimes we impose that on others because they bear the name of Christ and they've been born again. You, we can say, well, how can you? Listen, we all can except for the grace of God. There go I as well. Now, that's not to excuse or whitewash sin whatsoever. But we recognize and realize that God, because of His mercy and His grace, and when we know the depth of our hearts and our minds, that God could cleanse us and forgive us. Man, I want other people to know that too. It, it's not form or ritual that makes us clean. It's not the practice that makes us clean. It's the blood of Jesus. And when we recognize that and realize that, the other follows it. You see, it's a heart matter and a heart issue. It's God. Then he says, God, deliver me from blood guiltness. Oh, God, oh, God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. Sometimes, can I be honest with you? Sometimes when I, when I come into a corporate worship, I think sometimes we don't ever, we, many of us maybe, may not even realize the, the depth that God has forgiven us. When we recognize the depth of God's forgiveness and His grace and His mercy on a continual basis, on a daily basis, we cannot help but express praise to God in song, right? If you're like me, you may have a tendency to take advantage of God's grace and His forgiveness. He says in verse 16, 
We'll close with verses 16 and 17. He says, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I will give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. God, if, if I could just buy my way out of this, I would. And David had the resources, right? He could have offered as many sacrifices as he wanted to. He could have brought burnt offerings. He could have, he could have had the priest make a procession through the city and, and make an offering. But he recognizes, God, that's not what you want. God, who are you that I can give anything to? He says, God, but, but what you desire, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise. God wants our heart. When he gets our heart, our life follows in every area. I know maybe you were expecting a celebration message this morning. One of the deep things that the Lord has been doing in my heart over the last three months as He's stripped away some of the externals is He's been calling me back to just a right heart with Him. And in some way, I've been glad that some of the externals have been stripped away. Nothing bad with them at all. But it's been that God's bring, bring me back to a place to recognize, J-Mo, the thing that's important here is your heart, your relationship, and your fellowship with me and with others. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.